Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Retail Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Designed for retail leaders and retail lovers alike, the Retail Legends Podcast is designed to provoke thoughts, challenge ideas, encourage growth, and most importantly, offer leadership and insight to help retailers be both prepared and proactive to retail's always evolving and constantly demanding needs. On this episode, host Nicole Leinbach-Rayleigh was joined by AI platform Coveo's Vice President of Commerce, Brian McGlynn. In their conversation, Rayleigh and McGlynn touched on Coveo's capabilities and the influence of AI in retail. One of Coveo's focuses is on working to provide a million different experiences for a million different consumers. For example, Coveo uses signals from consumers to digest and personalize data in order to customize that consumer's experience. Signals can range from buying patterns, assessments of decision-making skills, and even data about the weather outside. This detailed, personalized application of AI moves from its current use, optimizing product navigation, to a future of promotion, predication, and data-driven customer service. Let's hear that Coveo interview now. Brian, thank you so much for joining me. We are here at the National Retail Federation Big Show 2020 with the vision of looking ahead, making sure we don't look too far behind us, right, but right. knowing what's to come, right? So New York City, it is the third day of NRF right now currently, and you are with Coveo Commerce. Yes, yes. And you are the VP of Commerce. Yep. And can you tell our listeners exactly what Coveo is? So Coveo, we are an experience platform. So we're an AI-driven experience platform. And the whole idea is that we're here to provide a million experiences to a million different users using the power of AI, using the power of content, and using the signals from the various different items around that. So we power some pretty large websites. Uh, companies like salesforce.com use us uh, and others uh, along those lines from a commerce perspective all the way to after-sales support. And uh, yeah, we're headquartered in Quebec City. Uh, we have offices all around the world. I'm based in Montreal in a historic landmark building. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to have about five or six of us here at uh, NRF's big show. Uh, doing some learning and talking to customers. Okay, well, two things. I love Montreal, so I have to tell you that. That's Great good. City. Especially in summer. Yeah, it really is. Beautiful for anybody who hasn't been there. You should check it out. Um, but you just said a million different ways of supporting customers. A million right? experiences for a million, a million customers. Exactly. I love that because that's what, when I think of AI, that's what I think about. All the opportunity in which it can support consumers. So let's dive deeper into that. Sure. What does that look like for, let's say, product navigation or consumer personalization or just general experience online for customers and, of course, retailers connecting with them? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. That's exactly where AI and where our background goes in. So we make sense of information and really digest it to make it personalized. And it's amazing. You know, part of our, our biggest item we've looked at is the gap in AI spending in that. So the big news came out in Canada today where uh, we're actually part of a consortium that's within the, the scale AI program within the federal government. So companies like Cadillac Fairview and others uh, had a press release that went out today talking about uh, work that's come through uh, and certainly work that we've been doing uh, along those lines to, to help companies uh, around that. Uh, sorting through information is always a problem and it's sometimes taken for granted. We look at Amazon. Amazon has certainly shaken up the retail world. You think online, it's sort of 
of online retail revenue and the business to consumer or direct to consumer is Amazon. And those that are either don't have a strategy around it, others are, are in trouble. So that's an area where we've been focusing on is saying, what can we do to put that kind of power in the hands of retailers that are, are not going to hire 2,200 uh, AI developers that don't have the means to do that, but being able to leverage uh, the capabilities that we provide on that. So dynamic navigation experience is a big thing, making certain that we're out there and really just trying to humanize the interaction that go in. And, and as we say, Amazon is, they didn't just set the bar, they are the bar. And if companies aren't there, they're, they're not going to get there. So our million experiences for a million different users is to know that if someone comes in and types into a website, I'd like to, um, in New York, I'd like to find a cocktail dress for uh, under $500 in black. We can dissect that and understand that. And that's through AI and the power of it to look at someone's preferences, look at what they've navigated and, and browsed on, and just provide that correct and, and direct information at the right time in their experience. I love the connectivity that AI offers in terms of of knowing where the customer's been as well as, as well as where the customer might go. And I think for e-commerce retailers, they really need to consider that because the customer wants to feel that connection, that being understood. They don't want to feel as if they are just another person, but rather they want to feel uniquely attached to each brand that they're navigating. And although there's a million different ways and a million different customers, how does AI really narrow in on that one? So it's an interesting part. We look at it to get the, the, the segment of one, as some have called it as well in many cases, to find that segment of one. There's a lot of tracking that goes on and machine learning that would go into. So between the algorithms that would look at it, we'll look at signals such as okay, if there's been previous websites that they visited within it or previous pages they visited, being able to tack to various different tracks. And, and what we're able to do is through prediction, we have algorithms where through a series of six different steps, we can determine with upwards of 80% certainty whether someone's buying or browsing. And that will inform what sort of presentations, promotions that are out there. And it's amazing when you look at those particular parts uh, and getting those segments just fine tuned, there's clues and actions that are all over. And, and that's it. And, and the biggest of them all is search. And we think about search, it's an area where going in and just as we talk, is going into a human being and talking into a store saying, I'm looking at a pair of shoes that does in black for this particular occasion. Being able to dissect that and understand that, it, there's no way that you can guess. And there's no way with traditional technology without AI that you can go in and say, well, we're, we're, uh, we're going to guess what this person's going in, what their preferences are. But through the signals they leave on all the various different pages, how long they're on a page, the co-occurrences that they may have, and, and co-occurrences we call a knowledge graph that we're able to go through, we can determine and use that to really provide that, that that first or second result is personalized. But some customers we go into, the experience is just, uh, it, it's, un it's unfortunate. It's good for, certainly we're here to help and we've been able to provide that. We work a large furniture retailer up in Quebec uh, last quarter. And right before Black Friday, they had the problem where they're running Samsung advertisements all over for televisions, for a lot of high ticket items. You go on their website, and per uh, publicist study, 87% of people that listen to the radio or listen to any traditional media will hit the website first. They do so, you type in Samsung, and, and the number three result is a set of hoses to connect the dishwasher. I mean, why? first of all, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. The other is just right. like walking into a store saying, yeah. hey, I'm interested in a Samsung. Gee, let me show you some dish hoses. Yeah. 
And, uh, and that's the issue. If you, if you don't have the AI to understand and really look at the prediction and, and look at the prediction of behavior, you're providing completely irrelevant information to the end user. And, it, and you're not giving that, that segment of one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say I could not agree more with that. And so here we are at NRF 2020, looking ahead into the future. We, we know where AI is right now, because you've just explained so much great detail on which AI can offer merchants, online merchants. But where do you think it's going? What do you see in the next decade? We've just left one decade behind us. We have another one to look forward to. What can you say AI confidently will, will be doing within the decade? Uh, AI, it's amazing. It's just prevalent. I mean, our, our view is certainly around information, but we look at it just in the overall retail sector. There is certainly there, there's a lot of real-time delivery. There's delivery items around that. And, and for us, what's been exciting is decision prediction, promotion prediction, being able to give the right promotions at the right time, and at the same time, uh, voice search. So I'll go into promotion prediction. It's an interesting part. You think about what's more valuable of an indicator for purchase, somebody who's going to go in and buy a $1,000 laptop or a $60 stapler. Well, the answer is probably the $60 stapler. It's a good indicator that somebody has discretionary income. So taking that signal, that means that you could probably sell them a $5,000 laptop or a $4,000 laptop versus a $1,000 laptop. So being able to fine tune these models and look at additional items, taking weather, taking other components in and looking at data feeds and looking for patterns within the noise. Uh, the, the beauty with the, what we've been able to do is we're a pure cloud-based offering so we're able to take signals from our clients, but take a lot of other signals, put them in together and come up with things that where if it's raining outside, it's better to traditional analytics. It's like, gee, it rained yesterday. We should have had umbrellas in stock. Whoops, we missed that one. Versus actually looking at the weather forecast saying, yeah, it's going to rain. We should have umbrellas. Well, and I, and I actually love the conversation of weather with how it does impact retail and consumer spending, because more so than the obvious of I'm walking outside, it rains, I have to buy an umbrella, but rather predictive analysis based on upcoming forecasts that then alerts the retailers on what they can do. So I know AI has such an impact in being more predictive, but also more precise then, right? in that inventory planning and merchandising, communication, promotional marketing. I mean, there's so many layers that e-commerce retailers can benefit from when they apply this into their intelligence and ultimately their planning as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so, okay, so now I'm really curious. Of all the different types of retailers you work with, can you say that um, any ten, any niche category of retail tends to benefit more from AI versus another based on that customer navigation? Or would you say it's across all boards beneficial just as equally to all? I think it's across all boards. I mean, it, it's an area where a lot of it is the creativity of working, looking with a retailer, what their, their business challenges are, where their opportunities are. But we look at it, we have clients that sell shoes, we have clients that sell home goods, we have clients that sell computers and electronics. We look at every category, our clients that sell jewelry. And basically the more complex the data, the more complex, the, the better it is for AI, there's more signals and items to go through from there. And that's really what we go into, is just that ability to collect data. But it's a matter of, I think, all said pretty much across the board, and everyone can benefit from it. And I think the dialogue's gone to, you know, any client we go to, it's not, are we thinking about AI? It's, what's the AI strategy? What's the planning around it? How do they plan to compete? And where can we tap into, tapping into point of sale, tapping into all those signals to look at, and understanding, just get a better picture of the user. And is it fair to say that your technology, um, as well as just in general, the market in general, are integrating with other technologies so that this can become more seamless into operations? And that's where we look at it. We say with Bovea, we stitch data. 
and we basically create a million experiences for a million different users. So by stitching data, it's very important to get the signals. So whether it be a signal from point of sale or a mobile device taking tracking information that maybe there are searches that are across different parts or going in and pulling in uh, community feeds or what we do a lot is, so we have a, a long heritage in going into uh, service and customer service. So being able to go in and look at if there's a, a product that has bad returns or a particular segment has bad returns, taking all those signals in and using that to provide a better experience, that's where we go into. So you know, from a lot of different perspectives, the more data, the better, and the better models we can generate and just the more personalized that we can make things. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so here we are. Again, we're at the National Retail Federation Show 2020. Um, I would love to know what your favorite experience has been, whether it's within your own business or exploring the floors of NRF. Um, on the final note of, to our listeners, what's been your favorite experience here at NRF? You know, it's, what's, what I love about it is this is a, a place for two things, for, for probably three things. One, it's a great opportunity to meet others in the industry, other visionaries, to go in and see what they're thinking about. Uh, the other part, too, it's great to see customers, to go in and we run into our customers and prospective customers. And just in general, it's an area I, I look at for inspiration. So we have a cross-section of the entire retail industry here and whether they're vendors, their customers, and others. It's an area where, in my role, I'm responsible for product direction and strategy on what we offer. And, and at this point, it's, it's great how we look at it. I have to foretell the future and what we do. So as we look at it, and of course, we're a Canadian company. We like to say we have, it's not the people who win at hockey are the ones that know where the puck is going <laughs> as opposed to the ones following the puck. I like it. So that's what we need to look at yeah. is uh, to try to guess and really read the tea leaves and see what we want to anticipate our users' needs and, and offer that into the market. I love that. So you're being predictive individually, a very human predictive experience, exactly. not necessarily AI there. Well, thank you so much for Thanks. joining today, and we look forward to seeing where else Cabello plans to be. Definitely, definitely. Just looking forward to it. This theme of personalization also carried over into Rayleigh's conversation with Max Rhodes, co-founder and CEO of FAIR. This discussion highlighted FAIR's unique offering for retailers looking to try products risk-free. As a wholesale marketplace, FAIR functions like an online trade show. Retailers have the opportunity to try products out without the risk of a long-term contract or purchase. This allows retailers, including small businesses, to personalize their inventory for their customer base by bringing in new, exciting products risk-free. This model is formulated by Rhodes to give small businesses an edge in the retail competition. Here's that interview with Max Rhodes now. Welcome, Max. We are at the National Retail Federation Big Show here, 2020 in New York City. Yeah. And you are joining me, um, a co-founder of the company FAIR. So for our listeners who are not here right now, can you tell them what FAIR is? Yeah, absolutely. So FAIR is a wholesale marketplace. You can think of it like a wholesale version of Etsy uh, or an online trade show. Um, and what makes us, I think, a little unique uh, is we allow retailers to try products before they buy them. Um, so in some ways, we kind of bring the trade show to the retailers where they can actually bring the products into their stores, touch and feel them, see how they perform for 60 days, and then send anything back uh, that isn't working out. And they actually don't have to pay for the products until the end of that 60 days when they're sure that they, uh, they want to make the leap. I love that. So I want to dive a little deeper here because 
my understanding is that you first kind of came up with this concept being here at the Javits Center, which yeah. is where we are, yeah. about what, 10 years ago? Can you kind yeah, of Yeah, it was almost exactly 10 years ago. Yeah, so I, when I first graduated college, uh, I was working at this management consulting firm in kind of like a stuffy office. Similar story to actually a lot of our makers on the platform. I got involved in this brand called the Blunt Umbrella, um, where I was looking for you know something more creative on the side. Uh, introduced that product from New Zealand to the U.S. market, and of course, you know we were trying to get exposure, and so we we came to the Java Center. Came to it was at that time the New York International Gift Fair. It's now New York now. Started doing research on other ways that we might be able to get exposure and realized that there really wasn't an online marketplace um, and spent about the next seven years just kind of the idea percolating, um, trying to understand you know why it didn't exist and ultimately realized that the reason why there's never been a successful online marketplace in this space is that inventory risk is one of the biggest problems that retailers face. And in a lot of ways, trade shows are a way to mitigate inventory risk. It's a way for them to get more comfortable buying products before you know, bringing them into their stores and seeing if they're gonna sell, taking the leap. And realize that there might be an opportunity to combine kind of a stitch fix style model where retailers could actually try before they buy to mitigate that inventory risk and get them comfortable buying online and for the first time. Yeah, well, I love so much what you just said, and I have a few questions for you. So the first is, a maker is, by definition of your own, what is a maker for those listening? Yeah, so we've played around with a bunch of different words here, vendor, supplier, maker, brand, and a maker really is, is anyone who makes something, whether that's manufacturing it or making it themselves to, to, to you know, take to market. I really like the term maker because I think it's humanizing. I think it really it gets at the heart of, you know, our mission is to empower entrepreneurs and it's about empowering the people behind these businesses. And, you know, when we talk about our customers, we want to we want to think of them as people, as entrepreneurs. And I think maker really gets at the heart of like somebody out there creating something, right. you know, wanting to share their creativity with the world. And I love that because particularly as we see uh, the buying power shift among generations, it is so important for retailers to consider who their audience is. Totally. And having that clarity and that transparency for consumers to understand where the product's coming from yeah. and the merchant as well. Yeah. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, one of the number one things we hear from retailers is they want products that have a story. And I think one of the most compelling aspects of any product is kind of the, the story behind the person that made the product. Absolutely. So that brings me to another question I have for you. So there's a lot of sentiment with that when you yeah. tell a story, of course. And I know you also have a lot of sentiment and passion for something that I do as well, which is small business. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been a small business owner. I did it with Blunt. When I was in college, I ran a house painting business. Um, you know, my, my dad is a small business owner. Um, and so I, it's something I've always been really passionate about. I worked at Square for five years, which is really all about empowering small businesses. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things that we've seen over the course of the past 10 years, especially in retail, has been this renaissance of local retail, the shop local movement. Um, and I think it's something that we're really excited to be a part of. 
Um, you know, you, you see it actually. You're starting to see it in the data where the number of independent bookstores in the United States has increased by almost double uh, over the course of the past 10 years. Basically, since Borders went bankrupt, that's created white space that these independent stores are perfectly positioned to, to fill. Because these stores have figured out how to offer you know, curated assortments, community experiences. In a lot of ways, independent retailers are ahead of the curve uh, in terms of where retail is headed. And, you know, we want to help them stay ahead of the curve. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And being here where we are right now, which is, again, that NRF 2020 show from the National Retail Federation, one of the conversations that I keep hearing is personalization. Yeah. And I believe that local businesses are the original Completely personalized agree. business Completely makers agree. and business leaders. Yeah, yeah. So I really feel as if it's the big box stores who are trying to mimic what the independents and yeah, the locals have really, been doing. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the, the trend has really been, you know, 50 years ago, or it was in the 60s when Walmart first showed up and then was followed by all the category killers, you know, they gave small businesses a lot of trouble with lower prices, bigger assortments, and the small businesses that survived that original retail apocalypse were the ones who figured out how to personalize their assortments, They and, and they really got ahead, and now... Amazon showed up with lower prices, larger assortments than you know any large retailer could possibly offer, and it has put big box stores in a vulnerable position, but it's allowed local retailers to actually really flex their muscles and put to use all of the skills that they've developed over the course of the past 50 years, figuring out how to compete with Walmart and and Target and all the big box stores. And one of the other benefits that I find that these local businesses have is in fact that inventory curation. And I know from my own experience, I'm fortunate to go to a lot of great trade shows and see a lot of great products, um, yeah. brands, as well as independent makers alike. And what I find is that those businesses that take the time to truly curate their store shelves, so to speak, yeah. are the ones that remain successful because consumers, we have so many choices and yet too often the choices start to blend themselves together from yeah. store after store after store and it's these local businesses. So I would imagine at FAIR you guys have such variety in what you offer yeah. and a lot of uniqueness as well. Yeah, the, I mean part of the value of a, an online marketplace is just the sheer amount of variety that we can offer. I mean, we, we have 8,000 brands on the platform uh, and we're only able to do that because it's all online. I think the other thing that's really interesting is you know, we have data about how well our products are selling in stores, what products are being returned, what products are being reordered. And you as a retailer, the more that you shop with us, the more we learn your tastes and what works best for your customers. And the experience actually becomes increasingly personalized where we're only delivering recommendations to you that we're really confident are going to sell. Yeah, I love what you just said about the experience, and I know consumers nowadays are demanding even more emotion attached to their paths to purchase. And one of the other things I love, because I've spent some time in FAIR, and I have to congratulate you, because I really do think it's such an awesome destination for retailers to explore inventory, um, and like you said, a maker can be a manufacturer, as well as potentially even handmade. Um, but what I really found great is that there's a lot of information from your makers that could be pulled for the retailers to include within their, Absolutely. their signage, their store communication, yeah. their marketing. Yeah. And I just felt as if it was revealing so much more than I've seen in other places. And it is inspiring for retailers to learn from. Yeah. There are times where I'll, I'll just go on the site and I'll just read through you know, some of the, the biographies of yeah. the makers and, and reading about their story and really connecting 
with them. Like I said, the the story is so important, um, and we really want we, we really want to do more there with video content, with other ways of makers to, to to really allow them to connect with retailers and to tell their story. Because ultimately, you know, th their success in those stores, the success of their products, is going to depend in large part on the ability of the retailer to explain to the customer, you know, what's so special about these properties. Right, I have um, some good buddies in the retail industry, Kaiser and Bender, and one of the, my most favorite things I've ever learned from them is what they refer to as shoppertainment. Oh, I love that. And yeah, so, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I really like well, that. Yeah, well, it's theirs. They tagline yeah. it, so I always credit them because I really think it's great, and I think what you were explaining is, in fact, shoppertainment. Yeah. And we see it through the sensory experiences, um, but being online nowadays is a sensory experience. Can be for sure. You know, and it's it's a visual one for yeah. sure, right? Yeah. And it's also you know you are absorbing information just through your sight of reading. Yeah. Um, but also like you even mentioned video, and yeah. I think retailers are challenged to often share that insight and keep, push that forward to their customers. Um, but I do think you guys offer a lot for them to do with that. And so I always encourage retailers to capture that intel yeah. from the vendors and share the manufacturers it with their and the makers yeah. and share it because it does communicate that yeah. story we were Absolutely. talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really yeah. important. So, okay, speaking of experiences, we're here at NRF. 2020 is ahead of us. A new decade is yeah. to look forward to. What would you say um, are some of the experiences you anticipate retailers are going to benefit from being able to leverage a site like FAIR and just all the other great technologies and solutions that we're seeing here at NRF? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just keeping inventory fresh and exciting for customers uh, and, and really striking the right balance between your sort of tried and true staples, the things that you know customers are going to come back for, you know that are going to sell, and being willing to take a little more risks and do a little more experimentation. I, I know it's really hard as a retailer to make a bet on a new product, not knowing for sure that it's going to sell. And I think, you know, our hope is our platform makes it easier for them to, to go out a little further outside of their comfort zone because you know you never know when a customer is going to walk in and see something they've never seen before, get excited, and you know now you've got them and they know that you're a place where they can come to find that next new exciting right. you know, product. And I would imagine that combined with the intelligence of you know their point of sale system yeah. or you know the the analytics that they're capturing from all the other great solutions that they may use is going to also reveal to them ways to be more proactive and more precise in their future buying efforts. Future buying efforts. Definitely. And all that great stuff. Yeah, I do think data has a big role to play in the future of retail in general, but especially local retail, because for the first time, you know, a lot of these smaller retailers are adopting technology yeah. and they're in a position to be able to use data. Traditionally, the only folks that could really leverage the advantages of big data were the really big retailers. And I think as more retailers move online, as more of them adopt cloud-based point-of-sale systems, as more of them adopt FAIR, they're going to be able to benefit from a much, much larger pool of data. One of the benefits of using FAIR is you know, you're learning from every other retailer on the platform. Our recommendation algorithms are powered by the data from every other retailer on FAIR. And while you know, every retailer is different, there are some learnings that can be shared across it. Absolutely. I always say it's to a retailer, particularly a small business, a local independent retailer, to capture like-minded but yet non-competitive insight. And that's what, you know, networking at these types of events Absolutely. we do, listening to these types of podcasts, if you will, and yeah. taking the time to 
and meet with people like yourself. So Absolutely. I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Yeah, this has been really fun. One final piece of advice looking ahead to 2020 for your local retailers, what would it be? Yeah, I think the, the last thought that I would share is maybe somewhat uh, counterintuitive. Um, one of the things that I thought when starting the company, and you know, this was based on my experience at the Javits Center at New York Now, was that trade shows are going away. Um, and I think one of the things that we've learned over the course of the past three years is there's still a place for trade shows. And I think that um, a lot of things we've talked about, the experience, the story, the ability to connect with other retailers, there's still value there. And one of the things that we're doing is we're actually building products for makers, building technology for makers yeah. to use at trade shows. And so I think the last thing that I would, that I would say is, you know, don't, don't be afraid of technology, embrace technology. But you know, in the same way that you know you've opened your own physical store, don't be afraid to continue doing what works best for you. Absolutely, great insight. I always say technology can help deliver transparency, and transparency to the customer and to the retailer creates trust, and that can create retention yeah. and loyalty among consumers. So, sure. thank you again. My and pleasure. I look forward to seeing everything else that Fair does in the future. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, that does it for today's episode of Retail Legends. Thank you for listening and following along and hope you follow us along for future episodes. And remember, retailers need to step outside their comfort zones and into other touch points and opportunities that are influencing their businesses, including their customers. Learn from others and learn from the Retail Legends podcast, which you can look forward to on Tuesdays, only on Market Scale. Make sure to subscribe to Retail Minded wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.